0: It is seven. Let's go ahead and get started. Um, Thank you all for coming. This is the Circle for Presence. And I'd like to open us with uh, the Prayer for Presence. We have been asleep too long. Let us now focus our intentions on healing our Earth Mother and all life. Give us the imagination and vision to see us through the challenges that lay before us for we have begun the time of moving into unity consciousness, the time of the Great Awakening. Give us the imagination and inspiration to help us through these challenging times. May we be willing to open our hearts to those who are still lost in the shadows of unconsciousness. Grant us the vision to transmute all the energies of our complaints and judgments, resentments and differences, our grievances and self-righteous indignations into pure consciousness. Help us to see that as we continue to judge good versus bad, right versus wrong, that we perpetuate the separateness that causes all of the suffering we experience and keeps us floundering around in the old paradigm of duality. Let us be the light so that others may truly see. And may we move into our heart centers and fully realize that we have only begun to tap into the power of all our potentiality. For love really is all there is. And when we finally surrender into that one universal truth, the joy that we have so desperately searched for outside of ourselves will finally expand and blossom from deep within us and move us forth into the next evolutionary stage of our beingness. We are capable of transforming into unity consciousness without having to experience more tragedy that temporarily unites us as a species. It's up to each one of us to get into our I Am Presence and make the commitment to be a part of tipping the energies towards that manifestation. Begin from where you are this moment. We are here and the time is now. We are the ones that we've been waiting for. In starting tonight with a silent meditation I'm so grateful. <laughs> um, I get surprised every now and then with it that it's going to be a guided meditation, and I kind of find that out in my meditation right before this begins. And it's like, you know, so really unprepared. (laughs) And so the ego jumps up and goes, Oh, you can't do this. You're not ready. Um, So, um, yeah, but tonight's going to be nice and simple. It's a silent meditation. Um, For those of you that have not tried this before, um, it's simply getting a quiet mind. If you go to sleep, if you check out and lose awareness of what's around you, that is not the purpose of meditation. It's okay, but just know that that's not really where you're headed for. Where you're headed for is to be in pure awareness. So that, and the best example I have of this is when I had read about Zen Buddhist monks that when practicing, the Master would go around and as they were deep in their meditation, he would go behind them with a bamboo cane and just smack the hell out of them from behind. And so obviously those that got smacked (laughs) were somewhere else, even though they appeared to be in total meditation. Um, The ones who were in that pure awareness state, absolutely here, absolutely now, in this moment, fully aware, even with eyes closed, would reach back and grab the cane before it hit them. So I'm not going to go around and smack people with a cane. <laughs> I'm just using that as a way to help show you kind of where you're wanting to go. Is it that level of awareness, being so fully present that you are in the center of, of the all. And, and it, it's tough to teach. I mean, we can intellectually grasp it and it's one of those experiential things, you know? So, one of the ways that I suggest that people try is focus on your breath. Focus on the inhale and the exhale, and you can even use that as a mantra. You know, inhale, just say it in your mind, inhale, exhale, inhale. And for some reason I visualize that for me as riding my breath like a wave, like surfing and just kind of allowing it to go. Um, If you find that you still are getting the mind chatter and going to the grocery list, or something that you forgot at home, or, you know, oh, I forgot to call so-and-so, or, you know, whatever comes up, um, you can try using your senses, okay? So you can do an open eye meditation and that's why there's flowers because you can stare at a flower you can stare at candlelight um, you can stare at stones anything that doesn't give you a label you can also look around at everything else and as long as you're just noticing color shadow light shape depth and not labeling like Oh, they really need to clean that. <laughs> oh, there's cobwebs up there. <laughs> oh, that picture's crooked. As long as you're not going there, then you're fine. If you're going there, and you, you know, and, and don't, don't get angry with yourself. That's just resistance. Just notice it, and close your eyes. And then pay attention to sound. Go to your ears. And you'll hear a level of sound. And if you're able to stay there, you'll hear another level of sound. And there's actually even a deeper level of sound than that. So, um, and another way to do it, and this is something that I didn't realize when I was teaching it that it needed a little bit more explanation. Um, and that is, pretend that you're a cat at a mouse hole. Have you ever seen a cat waiting for prey that it knows is there, and it just sits there, and it's so still, it you it's like a statue, you know? And it is just absolutely focused. That cat is so present. I mean, my best Zen teachers are my cats. Mm -hmm. and So you're not waiting for a mouse. Pose yourself in your mind that way, waiting for the next thought to come up. And you're not waiting for some grand thought. You're not You know, because when you focus on waiting for the next thought, if you're really focused there, no thought will come. Because you will be too present. You'll be so present that the ego can't... The the ego doesn't exist in present moment. So that's why it's always dumping us into the past or into the future. Okay, even if it's a few seconds ago or a few seconds from now, it doesn't care. Its only job is to survive. So it will do anything to get us out of present moment because you don't have to do anything to get rid of your ego. Just go into present moment and it doesn't exist. So you don't want to resist. You don't want to go, oh, God, there it is again. As soon as you do that, you're resisting and what we resist persists, absolutely. Every time and with equal power of whatever we're resisting. So if I'm resisting with this much power, this much power is going to come back at me. So You really want to just notice it, and then put your attention right back into this moment, right here and now. Okay? I'm going to start us with the singing bowl, and then in 15 minutes, you'll hear the singing bowl again. You are welcome to go to any other part of the room, if you like. Sit on the floor, do whatever to be comfortable. It's entirely up to you. I'll open that back door up again, <laughs> just for air. Yeah. <laughs> oh. there we go. Well, hopefully some air. Ah, steam bath, yes. (laughs) Okay, Um, so does anybody have any questions about that? I know that I've been, I've just gotten from a few folks that maybe it wouldn't be a, a bad idea for me to throw that out and just check it out regarding the meditation. So, questions, comments, no, okay. I
1: was sounds and to start right away.
0: Or making a story about what the sound right. is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. you're alone, Timothy, at all. (laughs) Um, And and the practicing, this is another thing that's important to share, is that a lot of people believe that in order to meditate, you have to do what we just did. You know, you have to sit still, you have to be quiet, and you have to go to that place, and you don't. Life is a meditation if you choose it to be. So the next time you're washing dishes, for example, get into that moment. Instead of your head being off five other things, what you've got to do next, what you're going to take care of, what blah, blah, blah. Make sure that you're in... Feel it. Feel the water on your hands and how the soap feels, the temperature, how the weight of the plate or whatever it is you're washing. Smell. So you know, use your senses and really be in that moment. The other thing that I practice with that is that I'll express gratitude—the fact that I've got clean water to wash the dishes, I've got soap, I have a sink, I have a kitchen. You know, I start looking around, and there's every minute detail is something for me to be grateful for. So, and, and gratitude in itself is just can be a wonderful meditation. So, whether you're mowing the lawn, or going for a walk, or driving the car, turn the radio off and just be in the moment. Feel the steering wheel. Feel what it's like to have your butt in that seat, and what kind of roughness is there to the road, or, or is it smooth, or, you know? I mean, just notice everything. And in that noticing, you're present, and you're meditating. So then what you've done is you've exercised that muscle. So, okay. Um taking the ego as a personal problem. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I love it. Sitting here wrestling with it. perfect. Um, So taking the ego as a personal problem. When people start studying this work, they start focusing a whole lot on recognizing when the ego is popping up. And and one of the things that I hear from a lot of students is, oh, well, you know, the ego, it just keeps jumping in there no matter what I do. (laughs) And uh, no matter what I do is ego, too. As soon as you've made it a problem, it's just more ego it's just more ego. So, um, I wanted to read this little part out of Tole's book, A New Earth, because it really, it helped, it, it seems to help folks in terms of understanding what, at least what I'm referring to when I refer to ego. Most people are so completely identified with the voice in the head the incessant stream of involuntary and compulsive thinking and the emotions that accompany it that we may describe them as being possessed by their mind. As long as you are completely unaware of this, you take the thinker to be who you are. This is the egoic mind. We call it egoic because there is a sense of self, of I, the ego, in every thought, every memory, every interpretation, opinion, viewpoint, reaction, emotion. This is unconsciousness, spiritually speaking. Your thinking, the content of your mind, is of course conditioned by the past, your upbringing, culture, family background, and so on. The central core of all your mind activity consists of certain repetitive and persistent thoughts, emotions, and reactive patterns that you identify with most strongly. The entirety, the entity, is the ego itself. So, it's this I. um, Well, and I'll just read this uh, next couple of sentences because he says it better than I can. In most cases, when you say I, it is the ego speaking, not you, as we have seen. It consists of thought and emotion, of a bundle of memories you identify with as me and my story of habitual roles that you play without knowing it, of collective identifications such as nationality, religion, race, sh- social class, or political allegiance. It also contains personal identifications, not only with possessions but also with opinions, external appearance, long-standing resentments, or concepts of yourself as better than or not good as others, as a success or as a failure. So when I'm referring to ego I'm referring to all that structure all that stuff and it includes all the identification with well I can't do that because I have these challenges I can't do that because it might trigger me and what you need to know is that that's the ego and if you jump into trying to fight the ego that's just more ego (laughs) because Remember what I said earlier, what we resist persists. And you can't fight the ego. You cannot make it go away. You can go to a place where it cannot exist. Where it can't exist. It's like when you shed a light on something, the shadow, you know, there's a dark shadow over there and you take a flashlight and you shine it over there, the shadow's not there anymore. You see what's there. So, it's about... that to me is what awareness is. It's about really being able to get to that place where you understand that all the thoughts you're having really are... anything that's I, me, mine, um... I love one of the examples, I think it's Tolle that uses this example about You hear that somebody's car got stolen and you just don't feel all that affected by it. There's no, it's like, oh, that's really too bad. You find out your own car's been stolen. My car, the my, the ego now has been offended, assaulted, insulted, whatever. And the reaction that goes with that is huge for most people. and I've also known people to play it down and almost almost like it was almost like they were trying to role play not having ego so they went to this place of just well that's just the way it is that's ego too you know it's like you're trying to play a role rather than just staying in the moment (coughs) going okay the fact is the car is gone What do I need to do now? So when we look at non-resistance, non-judgment, non-attachment, does that mean if your car's been... Well, I don't want to do that one too much. And that's only because for those of you that haven't been around much... (laughs) I did the stuck in the mud thing for a long time and I kept using that as an example and then I literally got stuck in the mud Mm -hmm. And I had used in my example, okay, let's make it at night, and it's cold, and it's pouring down rain. It was at night, it was cold, and it was pouring down rain. (laughs) And all I could do was just laugh. It was so rich. I thought, oh, my God, I have said this so many times. I've created it. I've manifested it. Um, So I don't want to go there with the stolen car thing. Um, (laughs) Whatever it is that we're dealing with that we don't like, Does that mean, if you're not resisting it... Say someone has called you names... and they've assassinated your character. So... does that mean, in non-resistance, that... you... do nothing? That you have no attachment to it? That you have no judgment of it? What would you do? Anybody got any ideas? That's probably not the best example, is it? It's good? Okay. Well, okay, you feel
2: like it's going to cut them off, or just go right back up them,
0: just be strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it'd be like resistance. Absolute, immediate resistance. Would there be judgment with it? Yeah, absolutely. And the attachment is... They don't like me. I mean, bottom line is, that's really where it goes. Even if it's somebody... I don't know if you've ever noticed this. See, I'll be the first one to own this because when I discovered this about myself, I laughed for probably three weeks. And that was... I was getting upset with people who were blatantly going out of their way to let me know they didn't like me. And I was really upset about it until my teacher asked me Do do you like them, Karen? I mean, I think I've heard you say a few things about a couple of them. (laughs) How many of you have had that experience, huh? Where you didn't, in your own mind, maybe you never did anything, never said anything, because I didn't, but in my mind, I didn't particularly care for them, but as soon as I found out on a blatant basis that they didn't like me, (gasps) What is there not about? What is there about me not to like?
1: <laughs>
0: That's the ego. That is the ego. Even if the ego acts crushed, acts goes into victim mode, um, ego doesn't. You know, we used to hear the word ego and think of arrogance and people who thought they were very important and had more value than others and were better than others. And Ego can be the person who, you know, wants to die, wants to commit suicide, you know, is always depressed and just isn't willing to take the next step because, well, it's fruitless. Every time I go there, it doesn't really make any difference. Same old, same old. That's ego. Because that's, that's staying out of this moment. Because when I ask people that are in those frames of mind and have been in those states of being for long periods of time, okay, you're feeling sad, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling melancholy, whatever labels you want to put on it. And how long you've been feeling that way? Oh, for at least three months or six months or however long they've been feeling that way. And I've struggled with that my whole life. My family's always struggled with it. Okay, yeah, I've probably learned behavior. You know, that's how legacies get passed on. Learned behavior. We live, we, learn, we live what we learn, and what we learn is what we watch and experience, not what we hear. So, you know, if we're trying to tell our kids how to be, that's going to get totally erased unless it's matching your actions. And you can look at your parents, and even though you went out of your way to make improvements over what your parents did, bottom line is, they're still gonna ha- you're still gonna have a lot of the same attitudes, a lot of the same reactions to things, unless you get conscious of those, become aware of them, and make a conscious decision to do something different. So, so I ask them, okay, so you've been experiencing depression for that length of time. Do you notice that depression when you're getting ready for work? Yeah. Do you notice that depression when you're driving? Oh yeah, same old drive to work, same old assholes cutting me off, same old, you know. That's just the frame of mind they're in. Do you notice that when you're home where you're safe and you're sitting down eating your, your evening meal? Oh yeah, sometimes I just don't even care to eat. That's how depressed I get. Well, who's noticing? Who's noticing? the depression there's a separate awareness there's a separate I am presence that is what is noticing call it the noticer call it the observer Um, anybody in here seen what the bleep do we know okay and they talk in there about the observer that's all the observer is is that I am presence that part of each one of us No matter what our backgrounds, no matter what our... It doesn't matter. Education, finances, doesn't matter any of that. We all have it. And that observer, when we get those moments where it separates and it can see and notice what is going on, that's when we have a chance to do something different. If you're willing to recognize that that's what's going on. In the first 12-step program I, I ever attended, and due to my experiences in life, I've had to go to several 12-step programs, um, one of the things they talked about was that moment of clarity. You know, when you look in the mirror, and there's that moment of clarity. That moment of clarity is the observer, is that I am present standing separate from going, what the hell are you doing? What's going on here? This isn't you. What's happening? And that I am presence can indeed be enough, because I've seen it, pull people out of long, long long-term serious depressions where they were on medication, they'd been hospitalized, there had been suicide attempts, but it was enough. They grabbed onto that and got into that place. And whenever they started to move out of present moment, they were able to recognize it and pull themselves back in. And that's just about working that muscle, like what you were talking about, practicing. You know, it's about doing it enough, being able to put your mind back here. It's like one of the things that I suggest to people when they're wanting to get more present is, how often do you eat meals in front of the television? stop, stop, just that sit down at the table light a candle eat your meal express a little gratitude for the food that you're getting to nourish your body with and be present with your meal in that moment you know notice the crunching or the softness of the food, the the spices, the flavorings, the texture, how long it takes you to chew something, or how quickly. That's being present. And we live in a culture that literally promotes us to do anything but stay in present moment. And it offers us all kinds of drugs over the counter as well as prescription. We don't need street drugs in order to do that. We'll just fix it by throwing another pill at it. You know? Um, so, complaining is another thing. It's, a, it's totally the ego. Anytime, anytime I hear complaining in my head or I hear myself saying it, I know immediately, and this is what's important, is that I finally realized every time I was complaining, out loud or not, doesn't matter, I was, it was the right-wrong thing. Good-bad-right-wrong. It was the duality. And of course, I was always right, and I was the good one, you know, even if it was complaining about the weather, you know aren't I victimizing myself when I complain about the weather, how, how, you know, this or that or the other thing, is that instead of just going, you know, it's just what it is right now. just what it is right now. You know, today I'm complaining about how warm and humid it is, and last winter I was complaining about how <laughs> cold and constantly raining it was. I mean, you know... And so, I notice it, and I go, and so, and really, seriously, it's important not to resist. If you resist, it'll, it just comes back more. So it's just like, I invite all my neuroses to come in, and we just have a tea party. <laughs> like, come in, you want tea? <laughs> what else am I going to do, right? So, and when you do that, and then go, okay, I notice. Come on in, sit down, I'm going to get focused back over here. And I get my, my focus back to right here, right now. In this moment, what's happening here. This second. Not, oh, well, I'm in this room and it's humid and, you know, because the mind will take off and it, instantly. It doesn't take anything at all. <laughs> so use things like this now if you're a man you would say I'm a man but I'm a woman so I'm gonna say I'm a woman I'm a woman sitting on a table and I keep it that simple when I'm teaching people this I'll hear things like oh I'm a woman sitting on a table with a bowl on my right and a lamp on my left and I'll go no (laughs) a woman sitting on a table get back into your body. You've heard the statement, the phrase, getting grounded. I'm so not grounded, or I need to get grounded, or I'm really grounded, whatever. What all that really means is being in the body, fully present in the body. So when I remind myself I'm just a woman sitting on a table, I get into my body by feeling what it feels like. What does my butt feel like sitting on the table and the underside of my thighs? what does it feel like under here at the edge I just notice the feeling I just notice it I notice my skin I notice that it's damp I notice the weight of the cloth of the clothing I'm wearing I just notice it as soon as you do that you are in present moment you're back in your body you're grounded so, yes, there's all kinds of things you can do. You can, you know, I spent 16 years as an apprentice medicine woman. And one of the things that we got taught to do was to get grounded by going out and laying on the mother chest down. And and if need be, we would even dig into the, to the earth and get down in it. Um, and I remember at times, <laughs> I remember at times sitting in these holes that we had dug thinking, this has got to be the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a cleaner way of getting grounded. <laughs> and then when I, went, when I went through the certification process for healing touch therapy and, and did my Reiki attunements and all that, then they were talking about, well, all you gotta do is put your hands in water or put your feet in water and that'll ground you well you know why that stuff grounds us not you know new age okay this is the difference between new age and new thought new age has you believe that the earth or the water has some magical property that you have nothing to do with anything and that it does it for you okay new thought is recognizing that it's our mind that creates everything Everything. For example, that's why pharmaceutical companies do not use placebos anymore to test their new drugs. Because placebos win hands down every time. The power of the mind. They use their old drugs to test their new drugs. <laughs> so they can say, oh, see how much better this is? We've knocked out two of the side effects. Now you won't steal things and kill your mother. <laughs> so so bottom line is the power of your mind really is when we would when we touch the earth when we lay down chest down when we put our hands in water we're paying attention to that that's where your focus is going and you're going okay yeah I gotta get grounded and you're feeling the water on your hands or you're feeling your feet in the water or you're feeling your body laying against the mother so yes, those are things you can do, absolutely. Because they will pull you in as long as you allow it. Because I've known plenty of people who have done the water and dug really bigger, bigger holes than I dug and still complained about not being in their bodies and not being grounded because they were still in their heads. So it's this that does it. It's your mind. They've told us, and I hear all kinds of numbers, so I just always grab a different one almost every time I mention this. So if anybody knows the truth of it, let me know. Is 7% or 10% we only use of our brain? 10 is a lie. (laughs)
1: 10
0: is a lot. Is a lot, okay. So that would be a lie, huh? (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's say between five and ten percent, depending on the person. Well, that leaves a lot of power up here when you think about it. And there's a whole lot that goes on with us that we're not even aware of and they refer to it as the subconscious. You don't have awareness of it. Zip. Zero. Nada. Not there. Anybody familiar with the Johari window? There's these two guys I don't know how long ago came up with this window to present the notion of there's four panes right there's a window and it has four panes one is all the things that I'm aware of about myself and that are, and that others can see and the next one is all the things that I can see about myself but you can't see that you don't see the next one is all the things that I can't see but that others can see have you ever looked at somebody and their behavior and you're thinking, oh my God, why are they asking the question, why doesn't nobody like me? <laughs> uh, duh! <laughs> it's because they can't see it. They truly don't see it. Okay? Well, guess what? We have the same thing. It's just always easier to see in someone else. Okay? Then there's that window where I can't see certain things in me and neither can anyone else. The real hidden, hidden stuff. Okay. So when you think about just that, and then you put it up against that, say, 90 to 95% of our brain that we're not using, and then you look at statements like from Einstein, who is one of my heroes, who said, um, our greatest illusion is that there is more than one of us. Wrap your mind around that one. I love that. That's an awesome one to meditate on for a while. (laughs) Our grandest illusion is that there is more than one of us. You know, and a lot of the other teachers that I've studied, including some of the teachers that I've had, have taught the same notion under everything I experience, I'm projecting. So that means every person Every, every one of you here is an aspect of me. And when you look at what holograms are and begin to understand those, it makes perfect sense. Hologram, like say, let's say this is a hologram of, of me. And we take it and we throw it to the floor and it shatters into a million pieces and you pick up one of those pieces and you're going to see an exact duplicate. Of that original hologram and every single piece will be an exact duplicate it's not going to be a tiny piece of okay so with that looking at maybe it is possible that each of us really are the projection of each other and there's just one big huge prism and projector just really go into town, and one mind, and look what we've created. And that's why it's also, I think, so important for us in order to evolve, rather than our species getting killed off by ourselves and our own actions, that we have to be willing to wake up, or at least, at least make that attempt. So, before I go any further, um, I want to open it for questions and comments. I like to get those dialogues going. So think about resistance and non-judgment situations in your life. Attachment. I have, you
2: know, I have an awareness
0: solar plexus, which is right here, mm-hmm.
2: also happens
0: to be a place, uh, women always
2: have a bra, right there.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's always
0: pressure there. Mm-hmm. That's my awareness. Okay. Let's go ahead. it a men I know that sometimes our shorts ride right up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is that.
1: It's funny I have awareness written down here. Um, a couple things that you said uh uh about ego. Um that
0: all tradition.
1: Um
0: Oh, wonderful. Exactly. Yeah, and that's just, you know, that's what I love about learning from all these different teachers. They're all saying the same thing. They just say it in different ways. Like Don Juan was saying it, you know, Carlos Casamata, and, and Don Miguel Ruiz talks about it, and Carolyn Mace has talked about it from her angle. Um, I mean, the list is, that I've studied in the last 30 years is incredible. Well, yeah, Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad and, you know, all of them. I mean, yeah, every time, and Katie, you know, every time I argue with reality, I suffer. And I only suffer every time. So do I want to keep suffering? Do I want to keep arguing with reality? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's
1: where the ego
0: that's where, that is. that's where the ego Yeah. It's just automatically. Yeah, wants to fight everything and, and, and it'll go to that less than place or the better than place. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter. All the ego is interested in is surviving. And I really do believe that my ego thinks it can kill me and carry on. You know? And I have to keep reminding it. Well, I haven't had to in a very long time, but I used to have to keep reminding it. Listen, bottom line is, you need this meat suit to carry your ass around so (laughs) you know right exactly yeah
1: exactly
0: you're still here yeah exactly and I think the other piece to some of that is I want to go back to the resistance attachment judgment stuff Um, A good example that I had was Saturday, I was going to... I needed to drive... I think it it ended up being about a 40-minute drive to get to where I needed to be an hour early for a wedding that I was officiating. And I had some basic things I needed to pull together and do La, you know, at the last minute from the night before at the rehearsal that had been suggested, oh, we'd like this and all and then I thought, okay, I need to pull this, this, and this together, and that way everything will be there that I may need, even if I don't need it. And I got up to a very sick cat one more time. And the vet closes it too. and my instant reaction was, Oh, I gotta take him to the vet. Oh, but I don't have time. And so I thought, no, what you need to do is sit with this and get clear about the direction you need to go in instead of reacting, that knee-jerk reaction stuff. And I just sat with it and I thought, yeah, you can take him to the vet and get charged a whole lot of money. And have a bunch of tests run when in fact there's not really much they're going to be able to do for him and what we are going to end up doing is taking him off the medicine and oh the other thing was i had been watching him this was the other piece that's important to know i had been watching him for two days not eat and cats are not like dogs and people they can't fast they go into hepatic lipidosis a fatty liver and they'll just starve to death because they won't eat. And the bigger the cat, the less time they can go without eating before this happens, and he had already been in that position once before. So I knew Saturday morning when I got up before I even got out of bed, you know, if I don't see him eat this morning, I have to force feed him. You know, I have to use the syringe and liquefy the food and get some down him, so that it keeps things working properly till whatever he's going through passes. And then of course he was sick and he was... there was more more to it by Saturday. So what I realized was I gotta just take him off the meds and I gotta force feed him and then let him be. And I did. And I also looked at, you know, cause like the ego was jumping up and Oh my God, I can't lose Reuben Reuben is Reuben is just the most well for me he's the most awesome cat on the planet. And I, I can't imagine him not in my life. Well that still is the ego. you know it is. So I get back into present moment because bottom line is he's still in my life in this moment, right? So. Okay, you're not getting your meds this morning, and I'm going to force-feed you, so I get that ready, I do that, I get the food down him. And and I wait a couple hours taking care of business. I got it, and I went back and I did And I was able to let go of attachment to any outcome that happened to him. And I was able to just flow with the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. And I went, I left right before I left, I I fed him again. And I was gone, I was gone actually quite a while because I went way out there to do the wedding and then was there at the reception and then left from there and went to a cello um, concert. So I didn't get home until about 9.30, quarter to 10. And came in, scooped him up, fed him again. And, and, and it was just that simple. It was effortless. There was no, you know, you decide, bud. It's your decision, not mine. And whatever you need, you know. And I love you enough that if you need to leave, then you need to leave. And it's okay. But know that I'm going to do what I know I can to at least make you comfortable and not bring it on. Right? So, did that all Sunday, and by Monday when I could take him to the vet, he was eating again. And his coat was, his coat is like a, a dead giveaway. You can tell when he's stressed and when he's not, physically, because it just gets, you know, like greasy hair looked and dandruffy, and then all of a sudden it'll be glossy and soft and fluffy and like the dandruff isn't there. It's just like night and day. So. But there's an example of letting go of, this is a bad thing. I have all this attachment to what has to happen. I let it go. I didn't resist what was happening. I did what I could do. And went about doing the other things I was had a commitment to do. No crisis. Enjoyed the wedding immensely. Enjoyed the cello concert immensely. And that was that and it was simple. So that's that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. You know, stuck in the mud is 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 a I can't help it. I keep going back to that because it's such a perfect example. You know, do you just sit in the car and sit and do nothing if you're in non-resistance, non-judgment and non-attachment? No. The non-resistance is I I didn't get angry. I didn't get upset. I didn't have a thought of this shouldn't be happening to me oh my god it's pouring down rain and oh my god i don't have any shoes on and oh yeah i don't have my purse or my phone (laughs) i was so prepared that night i wasn't getting out of the car see so (laughs) there is that or at least my plan was i wasn't getting out of the car But instead, I just went with, this is what's happening right now. What do I need to do now? That's all it is. So it's not that you sit there and do nothing. You do what you can do. And you let it go. You have no attachment to even that, doing a certain thing, having a certain result. You just allow it to be. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, dealing with someone who is always in the future, that is always having a difficult time being in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's coming up for me. And getting, trying to get them, not hook them, but just get them to come to the present of like, this is what's happening now. This is what's unfolding right now. not...
0: But you can't. So you can't you really want to watch and be careful that you don't have attachment to get them into present moment. So you can you can make a statement because sometimes that's all people need. I know that's all I would need from my teachers most of the time is Karen, get back here. Oh yeah, huh (laughs) you know. But then I was also making myself available for that. That was what I was wanting, right? And and then plus Moving into teaching it the way I've been teaching it now for quite a few years, um, I invite my students. If you if you hear a statement from me that has me out of it, I've got lots of students that'll say, "And that's happening when?" <laughs> you know, because I I need that as much as anybody else, right? But when you're dealing with a lot of other people, that like say maybe aren't. Um, open to it, or aren't learning it. Or, this is the other thing that happens, and at least in my world I experience this, a lot of people that believe, oh, I'm so spiritual, oh yes, I meditate all the time, oh yes, I do this, oh yes, I've seen this person, and I've done that person, and I've done this retreat, and I went to Fyndhorn, and I went, okay, wonderful, I'm happy for you and I notice that their conversation continues to be either past or future they have still absolutely no clue how to be right here right now I don't care how many books you know you can read the books but if if you're not applying the information and you're still all stuck in your story the books are nice they're good for the authors appreciate it it. absolutely (laughs) you let go and you just say you know what I will say I have a I have a friend that is not into any of this although she thinks she's into all of it (laughs) and and I say friend because she got she got clean and sober I think a year before I did and and we met by a mutual friend in the program introducing us because we lived, like, four houses apart. And we became fast friends. And, of course, back then I was crazier than a bed bug and, you know, made anybody else look good. (laughs) And, um, and... But bottom line is, at this point, she still is in the place of being able to say all the right things, and and do lots of quoting, and she's been on, I don't know how many retreats, has met a lot of people I've never met that I've studied, but I've never had the opportunity to meet, Um, and yet she still most of the time is in the past or is in the future, and also is very addicted to drama and crisis, and there's always some problem, and she's always triggered by something and it's it's a struggle you know those are those are the challenges i have and it's like <laughs> and it's like i just go oh and after about 5 minutes since i don't want to sit there and be a captive audience to her choices i excuse myself and so consequently we don't Connect as often anymore. About once every 12 to 18 months, we get together, have coffee. I listen to the latest dramas for about an hour and a half. And then I excuse myself, and it's another 18 months. And possibly after this last time, I I don't know, I may not see her again. Because she said to me, you just don't seem to care. And I said, honestly, I don't. But when you hear somebody say that, if Back in the day when I heard somebody say that, I saw them as lacking compassion. They didn't have heart, right? You're an insensitive, lacking compassion. You have, you, you know, you're cold, you're... And what I realized today is I don't care about all that stuff. It's meaningless to me. That's why I don't care. What's important to me... And, and I said this to her. I said, no, all of that stuff is meaningless to me. Because what I know is that you're here in front of me right now, you, and we're sitting here and we're drinking coffee that you made for me, and I know you made it with love. That I care about. That's important. That's wonderful. And I'm enjoying that. And this other stuff, no, because none of it's happening right now. Some of this stuff happened a year and a half ago, and it doesn't matter anymore. Well, she got angry and basically let me know She didn't want to talk to me anymore. Well, we'll see. But, and it's okay. And I don't judge her for that either. She's where she's at. But I know the observer in her, that noticer, has awareness that if she ever starts to wake, awaken or wants that, she knows of one person that at least we'll be real with her. We'll be honest. Excuse me, that's really all you can do. You know, sometimes you have to set boundaries. You know, Katie talks about there's no such things as boundaries and it's just a matter of semantics because she sets boundaries all the time. She calls them preferences. (sighs) (laughs) Okay. You know, boundaries, preferences, I don't care, whatever the heck it is. It's all the same, you know. So my preference is, I really don't want to spend a great deal of time with people who, now here's, you want to hear my ego? Okay, here's my ego. Those folks are fluffer <laughs> Fluffer nutters are people who are all into the spiritual shit <laughs> and they're unconscious. Yeah. They're using it. What, it's just another egoic identification. Look who I know. Look what I've done. Look, I'm so airy-fairy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Okay. <laughs>
2: and my program says um, that I let go and my God and that solves all my problems. Why don't you try that, too? And my program tells me, and I just think, you Whatever. Know, so I can't have a conversation with you when you do that. You know, I've known you for so long. And, you know, how are you? Well, my program tells me to work the steps in my program, and I just think, oh,
0: it, it just... Well, it, you, can't, you can't connect with somebody oh. that, that has taken on that as an egoic identity. That's a role that a person's playing. And if you can just recognize that. Yeah. And what I do... Okay, so here's the, other, here's the flip side of the coin. This is what my ego doesn't like. Okay, so if I came up with this term fluffer nutters, and you know what a fluffer nutter is? No. Anybody from the East Coast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found this out from an East Coast friend, because I'm not. I've never even been to the East Coast, although I'd love someday to go. I found out there's actually a sandwich called a fluffer nutter, and it's made from wonder white bread. This is what I was told, so you correct me since you know. Wonder white bread, and then you know the marshmallow fluff in a jar? you put a bunch of that on one and you put peanut butter on the other and that's a fluffernutter sandwich (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, oh my stomach hurts thinking about it but I thought even better there must be a part of me that in my sleep flew to the East Coast (laughs) had a fluffernutter sandwich and went this is just like some people I know Okay, at the same time, let me flip this coin over. That's the ego, right? The ego is judging. My ego is judging by going there. That's plain and simple. I'll own that. The flip side of that is if there is really only one of us, if I am the projector and I am projecting every experience I'm having in my life, can I find the fluffer nutter in me? and there was many times when I was first learning this stuff 20-30 years ago where absolutely I was one of those people Yeah. and I was able to then have compassion for that person that was me and recognize that what I was doing by taking that on as an egoic role that maybe part of what I was doing was that was my way, that was the only way I could learn it or to get the information in enough and through having compassion for me I'm able then to have compassion when I hear it in other people. So that's that projection piece is can I find that in me?
2: i for people that are
0: just discovering that I love
2: to it. Right. I'm talking about the people, like you shared, that I've known for a long, 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 many, many, many years that you can't have a conversation with that'll just...
0: Because that's where they're stuck. They got stuck there. And so maybe I didn't get stuck there, but I've been stuck in other places with other things in my life. I got stuck with... Well, I stuck with a couple of husbands for a while, and had trouble getting out of those, but you know, okay, yeah, you know, so, I did, and we had really strong contracts, those were meant to be, absolutely, bottom line is, can I, can I relate to being stuck with something, maybe it's not the same thing, you know, I can't relate to being prejudiced when I hear somebody express their prejudiceness against a person because of their skin color or because they're gay and so there was a part of me that used to really flare up inside when I would hear that well I'm being judgmental and I'm resisting and I have attachment as to how this should be right good bad right wrong I'm right I'm good you're bad you're wrong so I'm staying stuck stuck in duality the other piece I was able to look at is if you broaden What you're looking at in you to see if you can find it in you. I've never been prejudiced with somebody based on skin color or um, sexuality. But I just last April, and a couple of people in here know this because they were there, um, discovered that I had a huge prejudice against princesses people that I referred to as princesses and and where I discovered it was at a Tom Compton workshop which was all on the work of Byron Katie and so I took that through the work and I was able to discover the root of it and where it came from and was able to embrace my inner princess <laughs> so I came back the next day at the workshop with a tiara <laughs> And I'm still having to work on embracing that because the lawyer in me just really you know, but that's still a prejudice, right? A prejudice against, um... I know that when I first got sober there was a long time for a while that I had prejudice against people that were drinking and doing drugs. I mean, how dumb can you be? Yeah, they were, yeah. You know, I mean, hello. <laughs> you know, those are maybe different prejudices, but aren't they the same, really? That. So sometimes you have to kind of globally step back, and it's not going to be literal. It's not going to be exact. But I'm going to be able to find it in me if I get honest with me. You know? Or these people are... You know, I'm, I'm on, I, I eat vegan. I don't eat anything with a face or a mother, and I don't do dairy, and I don't do eggs. And, you know, I, I have not experienced going to that place of people eating meat, but that would be, have been an easy place for me to go to. Um, I do get crazy sometimes around the whole animal testing thing, and that's my ego jumping up. And I'm still trying to find the fine line there. Where do you take action, and not have resistance, not have judgment, and not have attachment as to how it should be? You know. So you know, I'm. We're all still. I'm definitely still learning all Although that.
1: Well, I think you and I learned separately.
0: Uh
1: test going down there and, and talking and working with the kids and, and uh, yeah. you know, because they have all these dudes and they, you know, the night they were going to break everything up and everybody's was freaking out um all of us bolsters were like, they're not gonna I, mean, I just remember this young dude, wild-eyed, came up to me and there was like six of us standing there and he said, do you guys have any chains? We were like, chains? Yeah, we're gonna chain ourselves to that statue. Like, you no know, man, I don't have any chains. Nobody does.
0: <laughs> God, don't you love it?
1: Around, being in, he was shocked when he couldn't find anybody with that chain. But the point being was that
0: the go down there was, just, you know. Well, it was another form of identification, you know, and that's why one of the things that has not been... that I struggled with and that I got to learn a lot from was that I was trying to... eventually I began to see that what I was doing with the 99% versus 1% was that that was still a form of duality. And so, when I was at the meetings I would talk about What's the possibility that we don't look at it as them versus us and do the same old paradigm that's always been done? Because even if you affect some change, that kind of change is always temporary. It's always temporary. It's a violent communication. Well, it's violence. As soon as you haven't even opened your mouth, and you've begun violent communication, as soon as you've decided you're right and the other person's wrong, yeah, yeah, I know. Isn't that a bummer? <laughs> yes, it's a good place to start learning. I've been listening to you for a good year.
2: And, you know, I, I I found that giving into that present moment and being present with what's going on with my feelings, acknowledging where the ego is and and, and recognizing when I'm future tripping or when I'm living in an argument, you know, I, I'm recognizing that and I'm pulling myself back in the center. And I'm just and I know the answer to the question is uh, what what you're gonna say, but I'm just feeling this Discomfort, and I know you're gonna say, just sit with it and and, and let it expand. Because I heard that that tape too, and I listen to it often. Um, So you know,
0: I I know that you're gonna say
2: just to sit with it and and to feel it expand until it it truly bursts, and then you have that that you know mushroom cloud of enlightenment that, that comes over you.
0: It transmutes it into pure consciousness. as long as you let it yeah. i know it's, it sucks <laughs> <laughs> i can hear the wheels of the ego going <laughs> no, thinking, because, here
2: thinking, it is what it is like, that's just.
0: well and bottom line is it can happen as soon as you decide to let it happen it really is that simple. And can. so
2: much fear that
0: goes along with it. And, and you the fear know. comes from where, honey? Well, the ego. Yeah. And the fear is always about the future. Yeah. <laughs> so, another tool that you can use that can be really, really helpful is the work. Write down what those fears are. The ego loves to keep us in vague fears because then there's never anything to really address. But you've Specific about fear about what because I'll say okay. I'm feeling all this anxiety. What are we afraid about now? Come in have some tea. Let's talk <laughs> And then I'll hear some of the thoughts. Oh, there won't be enough money for this What if Ruben gets sick again? What blah de blah de blah, so I'll write down Whatever those beliefs are whatever those thoughts are. I need more money right now. Is that true? this moment, right now, I need more money. Is that true? I can show you my bills and everybody in this room, at least the ego is going to say, yeah, honey, you sure do. <laughs> right now, in this moment, I need more money. This moment, right now, I need more money. No, I absolutely, know that that's true. Then I take a look at all the ways that it makes me feel, that my body reacts, the way I treat others, the way I treat myself. How far back does this belief go? What obsessions and addictions and other behaviors do I get into to distract myself? You know, the one most common one that most people never even look at is they get into busy addiction. You know, they're always cleaning. They have to put away. They have to do this. They have to take care of that. You know, because we can't sit still with ourselves. So then you go to, what would my life look like without that story? I need more money right now. If I never had that thought again, did not have that story, what would my life look like? And then sit with the images that come up around me.
2: Why is that so scary to even think about what you said?
0: Because the ego says that confronts everything I believe in. And the ego does not want to look at that. Because that will start pulling you into present if you let go of that. That's a huge common belief across the board
2: and every time that I get to that question that you know that warm thought you know that I, I identify with as a higher power or whatever you know it's always peaceful my life is just peaceful here
0: yeah free mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah. <laughs> and then you do the turnarounds on it I don't need more money right now and where's the evidence well is anybody asking me to pay them right now for anything no I'm I'm a woman sitting on the table that's it you know and other pieces of evidence you come up quantum physically they've proven you come up factual not be cute little affirmations you know the universe will always take care of me Blah, blah, snore. That's not a piece of evidence. Factual evidence. You come up with three pieces, the mind begin to accept it as real. The mind doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. You come up with three pieces, it starts going, eh? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Oh, yeah. I can see all the evidence for that. Something called a tutorial balance Where
1: something has happened early in your life part of your story, it doesn't actually have to happen. But again back to the brain, you just think about it.
0: Real or imagined, it doesn't matter.
1: Right. And so automatically it all goes there and that's where you get the detachment. Man, if I let that
0: go. Yeah, if I let that go, who am I? What's my identity then? Yeah. And I didn't realize that we'd gone a little bit, so sorry for those that are timekeepers. I'm not so good at that. <laughs> okay, announcements. For those of you that want to learn and practice the Byron Katie stuff and live in Portland, the Monday night meeting is every Monday from 7 to 9. They have moved again. They're on. Southeast 12th and Division now at Swaha Studio which is in number 103. If you want that information check with me after. Um, and at second and fourth Tuesday of every month I do a a Byron Katie practicing and it's not here, it's yeah, it's still across the street in the White House over there. Um, with Ruben (laughs) and Mikey. Um, uh, I had been asked by people, and so some of you have gotten it in your emails already, but uh, I put together a menu of classes because some people came up to me and asked me, well, you do this stuff out of town where groups of friends will come up and ask you to teach this class or that class. Why don't you do here so that we can pick the date and come with our group of friends? Okay. Um, And I'll even come to your place, so the menu of classes is over there. Um, And what else? Oh, and just in case you don't know, I'm available for one-on-one stuff. If you want energy medicine, which is healing touch or Reiki, matrix energetics, which to me is even a lot more fun, and it's a lot quicker, Um, and spiritual mentoring and facilitating a Byron Katie, a lot of people on a one-on-one basis, and I'm available for that. So, okay, In because of what our topic was, I wanted to read this. This was one of Hafiz's prayers, and I love this. Um, it's called, With That Moon Language. Admit something. Everyone you see, you say to them, love me. Of course, you do not do this out loud, otherwise someone moon in each is dying to see okay and I'm going to close with the original the original Lord's Prayer Um, this was this is a direct translation from Aramaic into present-day English rather than through the route it went through O cosmic birther of all radiance and vibration, soften the ground of our being and carve out a space within us where your presence can abide. Fill us with your creativity so that we may be empowered to bear the fruit of your mission. Let each of our actions bear fruit in accordance with our desires. Endow us with the wisdom to produce and share what each being needs to grow and flourish. Untie the tangled threads of destiny that bind us as we release others from the entanglements of past mistakes. Do not let us be seduced by that which would divert us from our true purpose, but eliminate the opportunities of the present moment. For you are the ground and the fruitful vision, the birth power and fulfillment as all is gathered and made whole again. Aha. And thank you all very much. By you coming here, I get to teach what I most need to learn. Thank you. You're the best. You are all. So you are.